everyone, welcome back to episode 14 of Trail Talks. In this episode, we will be talking to Sydney, better known as Sherbert on the Trail. She completed a northbound through hike of the Pacific Crest Trail this year in 2021. We actually met her during our 2020 AT through hike while she was doing a section of the Long Trail in Vermont. In this episode, we talk about the difficulties of trying new hobbies the older you get, how debilitating injuries and illness on trail can be, and what rushing to the Canadian border before winter is like. We hope you enjoy episode 14 of Trail Talks. Trail Talks time! Trail Talks time! Trail Talks time! Why did I pick the higher note? We tried. It's so early. My voice is shot. <laughs> Hello, people. Welcome back to episode 14 of Trail Talks. Woo! Yeah. We made it. We have a question for you. If you could through hike with anyone, who would it be? Tag them in the comments below. Who would it be? Aw, you. Aw. who would it be? Definitely not you. <laughs> too... Zach Efron. Yeah. What? He would never go backpacking with you. He likes backpacking. Not with you. He doesn't know that yet. That's true. <laughs> um, to- oh, you're a dog. I love that. <clears throat> Today we are interviewing our second PCT through hiker, and we're very excited because we met her before she started her through hike. Yes. I can't talk. Do you want to talk? <laughs> sure. <clears throat> um, her name. Do I say her name? Uh-huh. Okay. Her name is Sydney. And we are super excited to talk to her about her PCT through hike because we met her when we were on the long trail during our through hike of the Appalachian Trail. So, um, as always, exciting news. These are being put on Spotify so and also Apple Podcasts. So if you want to download them and listen to them at a later point, you are more than free to do that. We're going to have some great upcoming guests and we've had some really great guests. So go and check out the past episodes. If you have any comments or questions while we're doing this talk, drop them in the comment section and we'll try to get to every question if we can. <laughs> you just spitballed all of that. Thank you, Molly. You're welcome. Let's bring her on. There's Sydney. Connecting. <clears throat> Connecting. Hey! Hello, hello. Hi! How are you? I'm wonderful. <laughs> Good to be back in real life. Oh yeah. When did wait? When did you finish the trail? How long ago? Um, we I finished on the 29th of September. Wow. So it's been almost a month. Wow. Yeah. Coming up on a month. Yeah. <laughs> did you immediately get off, or did you like celebrate? Uh, we hung out in Seattle for a couple days and then had flights. We actually like got slowed down by some snow at the end. So, um, our flights were a lot closer to our finish date than we thought. Um, but we hung out, explored Seattle for a bit. And then I flew back to New Hampshire. Isn't that so hard to like meet these people that are your best friends for six months. And then you're just like, I guess see you later. It's like, it's like summer camp and you're like, I'll never see you again. (laughs) I, I, some of them came to the airport with me because we all had flights at the same time. And I was like, I can't just leave you guys. <laughs> and I just like sobbed in the airport. <laughs> the four of us who you met, um, when we had to leave Kyle and Corey, we were like, 
uh, we were like, you guys live in Florida. And we were like, we're probably not going to come to Florida for a while. So we'll see you in <laughs> next year. <laughs> it was very oh, sad. Man. Yeah. Uh, nice. Is your family kind of spread out all over? There's a bunch of people, places. I've actually, one of them lives in Boston. And I hiked the Pemi loop with her. Her name is nice. The Juice. Um, and then Babs, one of my other friends, she was in New York and I visited New York to visit my brother. So got to see her there. Um, cool. and my favorite trail goblin lived in Seattle. So I saw them. So it was really nice to like, see all these different people already, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. help, helps nice. the post trail sadness. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> nice. So let's just jump into it. What, can you introduce yourself, like your name and where you're from? Yeah, uh, my name is Sydney or Sherbert, and I'm originally from New Hampshire. Right now, I'm living in Bozeman, Montana. Are you out there right now? Uh, I'm actually leaving tomorrow afternoon to fly back out there. Yeah. Are you doing it? So you're doing another ski season? Yeah, I'm uh, coaching at Crosscut Mountain Sports and doing some stuff with Bridger and Big Sky Mountain. Very cool. That's awesome. Oh, dang, Montana's so cool. <laughs> um, so what what age did you get into like outdoor rec? Was it like since you were born? Uh, pretty much since I was a baby. I mean, I couldn't have chosen when I was a baby to do that. But my mom took, <laughs> took me on walks every day, took all of my siblings on walks. Um, I think when I was two, she had me on skis. And we were just always in the woods. I think I hiked Washington when Mount Washington in New Hampshire when I was like, nine or 10 years old or something oh crazy like that. I don't know. I don't remember it very much. <laughs> I remember it snowing at Lake of the Clouds, but that's about it. Oh my gosh. Oh my Do you remember God. liking it that young? Um, There was days that I hated it. My mom also had us walk to school every day, uh, whether it was raining, snowing, pouring, sunny. Uh, and it was just something that you just, I just learned to appreciate it when I was younger. There were some days that I hated it, but I think overall <laughs> it really helped instill appreciation for being outside and yeah. Absolutely. So how young were you um, when you had like your first backpacking trip? It was actually, I think it was my seventh grade class trip. So I went to an interesting uh, middle school. It was amazing, called the Well School. And every year that your class goes on a class trip, sometimes it's like a canoe trip, or I think that was the eighth grade one. But the seventh grade one, you go on a, like a three day backpack or four day backpacking trip. Um, not crazy. Like you, we probably just hiked a couple miles every day and then set up camp. But uh, I learned a lot about that. And we, we had like a class on prepping for it. And it was a good introduction to it. Very cool. That's awesome. I wish my middle school did that. Yeah, I know. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, shoot. What was I going to ask? Did you enjoy, like, outdoor recreation from a young age from the nature aspect or from, like, the physical endurance aspect? I liked both. I was very uh, passionate, bordering, obsessive about working out, and it was always something really important to me. And... I don't know if I could place exactly where that came from, but I was always active, uh, whether it was soccer, cross country, triathlons, lacrosse, like swimming, anything, um, Nordic skiing, rowing. I always had something. Uh, 
being in the woods, hiking, it was just always a big part of my life. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. cool. So how and when did you get into rowing? So I actually did not start rowing until I got to college. Um, I was supposed to ski D1 for college and it kind of fell through last minute. But I, in an absence of sport, I was very sad and I found a sports team that I could walk onto. So I walked onto the UNH women's rowing team and turned out I loved it and I wasn't so bad at it. Nice. 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 That's really awesome. Um, I remember when we met you on trail, you were saying that the pandemic affected, what was yeah. it, nationals? It was pretty hard. So they, they, the COVID actually was the reason that U.S. Olympic trials were canceled the day before. Mm. So all the athletes had already traveled and were in Sarasota and uh, the day before they, they pulled it and they're like we're we're not racing anymore and that was kind of when I started having rib issues and I just shattered my ribs like four times over in a row Jesus. that year <laughs> Jesus how long of recovery was that uh each time it was about a month and a half a month okay. Um, okay. either like intercostal or stress fracture I kind of bounced back yeah. and between a lot of rib injuries mm -hmm. Um, and it just got to the point where I, it was really hard. Like I was watching my entire team practice without me while I was sitting on a bike instead of rowing a boat on the water. And, um, finally after the fourth time, I was like, I need a little bit of separation from this and yeah. I need to kind of establish myself somewhere else. Cause rowing was my everything. That was my identity. And so it was really hard for me to step away from that. Yes, yeah. I totally get that. Absolutely. So I guess let's just jump into the long trail when we met you. Um, how much experience, because I think we went back through your Instagram, and I think we s saw you on the long trail before you jumped on. How much experience did you have of it in Vermont before doing um, it in 2020? So I was, I was training in Vermont for rowing. So I actually did a lot of like weekend hikes on the northern sections of the long trail. And a couple summers before I had done like a week or a week and a half around Mansfield area too. Um, and then the summer I met you guys, I did one week uh, northbound, but like further north. And then I actually flipped to the south southern end and hiked that week and a half with my mom and sister. And that's when I met you guys. Yeah. Um, yep. So I've always just done bits and pieces of that trail. I've never actually finished the whole thing, but I've <laughs> collectively hiked like three or four weeks on the trail and like done some parts like three or four times and some parts I haven't done at all. Gotcha. Do you yeah. want to, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I think I was going to ask the same sorry. question. Do you have like any plans or desire to want to either like fill in the spots you haven't or do it all in one go? Yeah, I would be super stoked to do that one in one go, especially after finishing the PCT and kind of having a better feel for through hiking and just like doing that continuously, what what that takes. And um, it would also be very intriguing for me because I've done the John Muir Trail. And so wow. if I completed the long trail and then did the Colorado Trail. Yep, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Mini Triple Crown, baby. <laughs> Um, so 
backpacked with your mom and sister. Who did you backpack with the first time on the LT? Um, the first time I was with my friend Ashley Johnson, who was my rowing partner at U23 Worlds. Um, so we went out there together. And then my friends Reed Bell and Emily Lane were also out there with me for a little bit. Um, and I actually broke my foot the first time. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> Jeez, what, yeah, what, <laughs> what happened? happened? Uh, I was in a stream and I was just filling up with water. We had gotten to one of the shelters for camp and I, I went to fill up my water bottle and I, I stepped on a rock in the bank with my right foot and it came out of the bank and I just landed really hard on my left foot in the stream and I just cracked something in my foot. Oh, and awful like I I thought it was I didn't know if I like cracked anything and I was like oh my foot's just really sore I'll sleep it off and I woke mm -hmm. up in the morning and I was like oh no foot <laughs> 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 in my boot and like had to limp out and it was terrible <laughs> oh my god how far away were you from like being able to get off the trail when that happened like four miles if I remember four or five oh. miles <sighs> Still a lie, yeah. <laughs> it was like not comfortable. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to get to backpack with your mom and sister? Uh, it was amazing. I, I mean, those are the people that I started experiencing the outdoors with, and like, it's so, something so special that we share. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people with their mom or siblings like will like go to the mall or do other things or have, but like. I really cherish that time and um, it's just time that we can like spend away from our phones and like really be present with each other and just hike and talk. So mm -hmm. yeah, I really enjoy it. I remember when we met you, I looked at Molly and I was like, maybe my mom will eventually start hiking. And I was like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What were you guys going at all the same pace or was like someone waiting for someone else or did you hike separately? Um, my sister was a lot faster than us then. And I was kind of in the middle and my mom, she honestly, my mom can just, she's amazing. She does New England canine search and rescue and walks through the woods every day with her dogs for miles. And so she's like really great at just walking. I think the longer days, sometimes she gets tired at the very end, but like, she kills it. She she and my sister and my brother joined me on the PCT in Oregon for a week um, this summer. Wow. And they crushed, I think it was like, I mean, we, we started with like, I don't know, a 13 or 14 mile day. And then I was like, I had three options. I had like a fast plan if everything was great. And I had like a middle plan and like a slower plan in case they just didn't feel like walking that many miles. And we ended up hiking the next like four days we did like 20 20 25 and 26 or something to like wow, wow. and i mean it, none of them weren't hiking like four miles an hour or, like crazy fast i can't even hike four miles an hour honestly <laughs> <laughs> but like they would just make it there by the end of the day <laughs> and it was amazing oh, yeah. <laughs> that's impressive yeah i was gonna say they, that's hard to keep up with someone who has trail legs yeah. that's yeah. wow like, <laughs> Oh, and it was kind of funny because like they would be walking or I'd like pop up from a lunch break and I'd be fine and my brother would stand up and he's like oh oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no that feeling all too well yeah. <laughs> the, the 
five days was probably a good max limit for them, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Anything else about the LT? Uh, with all the different things you've done on the LT, because it looks like you had trail run some of it and hiking, yeah. like trail running, backpacking, or hiking the long trail. What's your favorite one? Or you rank them? I would say um, for the long trail, because of the hilliness, uh, I'd say backpacking and trail running are pretty tied. Maybe Maybe backpacking, trail running, and then hiking it, like day hike for me because like okay. the trail running is kind of just like a day hike and you just mm -hmm. get cover a lot of terrain which is pretty fun nice. without the weight yeah bus just ran over caleb is that your brother that's my dad commenting about my brother yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so what what then brought you out to montana for the first time uh one of my friends at craftsbury where i was training akio he was from Montana. He's a good friend of mine. And when I was just at wit's end with my rib cage and my injuries, and I just wasn't getting better enough to row competitively. Um, he's like, yo, you should just go out to Montana. Like I have tons of contacts that I can get you set up with like a ski instructor position. Like you would love Montana. He's like, I know you and you would love Montana. And so I, on a whim, like, decided to stop rowing and then moved to Montana within like three weeks, I want to say. So it was wow. just flip of a dime and I was there and I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Um, but it was amazing. The mountains are absolutely stunning. I mean, Montana sucks. Don't go to Montana. <laughs> just kidding. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, Bozeman is sweet. The Bridger Range, uh, the Gallatins, like there's just it's this super flat valley and then enormous mountains everywhere and it's just absolutely stunning a great outdoor community um so i've been having a really good time out there nice i feel like everyone knows about colorado and wyoming and then montana's just really slept on yeah like, that's just my yeah. opinion maybe as an east coaster maybe that's how i feel i'd always heard of like colorado and like leadville and like denver but i'd never yeah. heard of it. so it was uh a very um on the whim decision <laughs> i bet you those first views on the top were like wow that's yeah. crazy i i drove in at 2 a.m and i just vividly remember driving into the full moon and as just i mean i drove across the country and so i've been driving for a while through a very flat area and all of a sudden mm -hmm. i drove into bozeman and i was like oh my god like the mountains just came out of nowhere <laughs> <It's> like, <"Ow." laughs> that's very cool yeah um i was gonna say what was your experience of skiing beforehand was it just the northeast yeah i had done a, i've done a lot of skiing in the northeast um a lot of downhill near like stowe and crotchet mountain um and then I actually skied pretty com Nordic skied or cross country skied pretty competitively in high school. Um, so had a lot of experience there and then kind of switched over into rowing and then jumped back into the cross country skiing to coach in Montana. Nice. Very cool. So what was your job out there? Like, what was it? What were the hours like? Where were you staying? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I actually um, met, met up with one of my friends from high school, had bought a house, and was looking for roommates, and it just 
happened perfectly. Like my mom ran into her mom at a grocery store and they talked and they're like, wait, Sydney's looking for housing in Bozeman and Kat is looking for a roommate. And it just works. Nice. <laughs> uh, so moved in with her and then I taught lessons at Crosscut. Um, so that was like hourly, but I also, so I taught lessons through Crosscut and BSF. So I was kind of just zooming back and forth across Bozeman, working for a bunch of different ski companies, just like teaching hourly lessons, like all over the place. <laughs> super what hectic. were the age? Oh, I'm sorry. No, you go. Super hectic, but like really fun. Nice. What, what age groups were you teaching? Was it young um, kids or was it just everyone? It was everyone. I taught a four-year-old, um, I also taught a three-year-old, but I don't really count it because she ended up falling because she was not having it. And so I never actually taught her, but technically <laughs> I had a lesson. Um, and I also taught some like 78-year-olds uh, who were just wow. out there and they're like, I want to learn something new. And it was so cool. Like I, and the, the teaching and the learning style between little kids and adults, it's it's crazy like being able to experience that um and it's really cool like learning and adopting different methods for different age groups and um kind of what encouraged learning for different people the most well said that's really yeah. well said um did you like teaching the olders or the youngers i love both but i honestly i almost enjoyed teaching people who are older mm because I mean I don't know if I'd say I liked it more but it was really awesome because those people I mean once you're past like your 20s people don't usually pick up something new they don't mm -hmm. it's harder to pick up something and learn and be a beginner or a novice um so it was really cool to be a part of that like being a beginner and being a newbie again um, and working through challenges with people. Cause when you're adult, you get frustrated at things. You get frustrated when you're not good at it and being able to like work through that and encourage people that it's okay to be frustrated and like, it's okay to be a beginner um, and just like working through that and spending time and you'll get better. <laughs> That's a great life lesson. Just yeah. like keep trying new things no matter yeah. how old you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were you gonna say something? What were the biggest differences between skiing in Montana and skiing on the East Coast in New England? There's so much more snow in Montana. <laughs> it's just, and it's also really dry snow. So it's, mm -hmm. it's light and fluffy and powdery. Um, and there's just so much of it. So I, I would do a lot of backcountry skiing. And mm -hmm to stay safe in avalanche ter territory, you dig snow pits and you can test the quality of the snow. But a lot of times you're digging all the way down to the ground in these snow pits. And some of the snow pits would be six, seven, eight feet deep, like wow. out of snow. Yeah. And out East, it's just like, it's just not comparable. <laughs> yeah, I've never skied out there and I'm used to like the ice patches and tufts yeah. of grass yeah. like popping yeah. through. <laughs> Skiing in the east is like ice skating on a downhill slope, but <laughs> out west is just like they call it uh, at Bridger Bowl. They call it ski the cold smoke because the snow is so light and fluffy that it's comparable to smoke. I remember skiing out in Colorado for the first time, and it was just so light on my thighs. Like my thighs didn't hurt at the end of the day, and I was yep. like, "Wow, this is weird." <laughs> yep. Um, did you have any sketchy experiences? 
during ski season? Um, a couple of interesting ones, mostly uh, just stuff where I'd skied something like the day before and the next day the avalanche conditions kind of deteriorated a little bit due to weather and then slopes that I had skied had like avalanched. Um, so that was pretty like a good wake up call and like, okay, like it's good to stay on your toes and really be aware of the dangers out here. Um, and just, yeah, when you're in the backcountry, you have to be on your toes at all times and you have to be so aware of where you're putting yourself and what dangers you're putting yourself in. Um, so it, it was a lot of like mental energy, but super worth it to ski some of the lines. Yeah. Nice. And now you're going back and you're doing it for another season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's jump into the yeah. PCT. Let's do it. Um, yeah. When did you decide to officially hike the PCT? Because I remember you were like rumoring it on the LT. Was yeah. it already like ingrained in your mind that you were going to do it within the next like two, three years? It, what, not quite. I think when I, I was thinking about it a lot, and then when I met you guys on the long trail and like you, I think you guys were the first through hikers that I had ever really connected with and picked your brains. And I probably was that annoying, like section hikers. That's like, tell me what you're doing. No, <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> um, but talking to you guys and seeing your guys' accomplishments and what you guys were doing, I was like, I was like, I have to do it. And so at that point it was probably like, okay, in the next two or three years, like, it's gonna happen or whenever I get a break from the rowing, like it'll happen. And I didn't realize that I would be stepping away from rowing so soon. Um, but then as soon as I kind of took that step away from rowing, I was like, this is my next goal. Cause it was, I think that one of the best things about the PCT is leaving rowing. That was my identity. That was my whole life. And I did not have a lot of self-confidence and, uh, just like self-worth outside of rowing and hiking the PCT was a really awesome physical, mental, just all around challenge that I could accomplish and take a stab at and kind of rebuild that confidence in a different setting and dissociate my self-worth and identity from rowing. Wow. Nice. That's yeah. Really <laughs> That's well said. Awesome. Wow. Um, so when I guess, when you were out in Montana, like, were you set to, like, when ski season ended, you were like, I'm going to go down to Campo and start? Yeah, so I, the lottery system was really interesting this year, or I, I guess I didn't apply in previous years, but it was, it all happened on an exact time and exact date, and you stood in an online queue, and if you were lucky and had a low number, um, which I've heard a lot of people had like hundreds of browsers open now. So I think it was less competitive than it looked on the day because there was 14,000 people. In the oh my God. But it oh sounds God. like a lot of people, I didn't get the memo, opened like 100 incognito browsers and had like 100 different things for you. And I was like, I should have done that. But <laughs> I got a permit. <laughs> um, don't cheat the system. Do it. Do yes. It <laughs> But um, yeah, so you waited in the line. And as soon as I, I planned out, um, I did a ton of research and had like my top days and then like all the other days that I 
would feel comfortable starting kind of behind that and some SOBO dates in case there was no NOBO permits. Um, but as soon as I got um, the permit, then I kind of planned the end of my ski season around it. Um, and I was actually, I was skiing powder the day before I got on a plane to go. Wow. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't hike for like, four, three months before hiking the PCT. I didn't go on one hike. Um, but okay, to be fair, I was ski touring, which you hike up the mountain with boots and skis on your feet and a heavy backpack on. So I was like, this is like probably close enough. And like my feet are yeah. blistered enough for my ski boots that like, it, it'll work, right? <laughs> but yeah, it, it worked pretty well. So how was it prepping for the PCT while you were out in Montana? Like, were you buying gear and getting things shipped? Like, how did that work? Um, so I was secretly when I was rowing and like hating my life because I was injured and everything hurt. And I was always sad <laughs> at the end of my rowing. I was using like researching the PCT as my out from that. And so I did a lot of research before I, I bought an old book. Uh, I don't recommend doing that because my book was from 2016 and it was so out of date and all the numbers and all the resupply locations and this and that half of them had burnt down or were closed or like oh, not <laughs> anymore. So get up to date information. <laughs> don't plan your PCT hike from a book written in 2016. <laughs> um, it had great overall advice, uh, but yeah, the the nitty gritty, but it didn't really matter. The nitty gritty details never mattered at all. So that was fine. Um, but yeah, so I had kind of, I and I was pretty familiar with the backpacking setup. I just did a more research into uh, what I wanted to cut down weight wise, because I was more of a luxury backpacker, where I just carried a really, really heavy pack. I didn't realize how heavy a pack I was carrying until I decided to hike the PCT. But basically just looked at how I could shift my gear to be a little bit lighter or just not not take the book not take the extra things that I always used to take with me um mm -hmm. which is totally awesome for a weekend hike and if that's something that you want to have on the long trail like you do you but it was for me it was like looking at places that I could kind of slim my pack down a little bit were there, was there anything, like any luxury item that you decided, no, I'm going to keep this with me while I do the PCT? Um, I kept, oh shoot, what a, I kept a town dress. Uh, I always liked having a town dress, even though I got ridiculed for that many times. And I kept a fleece and a puffy. And a lot of people only either had a fleece or a puffy. I think at some points, I definitely could have gone a month or two in the middle without the puffy because I always wore the fleece first. But I would count having both of those kind of as a luxury item. Um, and I had a camera, a little DJI Osmo Pocket to nice. deal. Yeah. Um, so wait, you said you your pack was really heavy before getting on the PCT. Like, what were you carrying in it beforehand? Was it just like a lot of clothes or...? Um, I was carrying, I think if I'd, I think I was carrying like three pairs of socks, which I carried on the PCT and then like clothes to sleep in, uh, base layers also like a long, so 
yeah, I'd carry base layers to sleep in, but also long pairs of pants and long shirt to hike in. Also a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, probably two pairs of shorts and two t-shirts because nice. I was like, having a change of clothes. Um, just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I think so when I hiked the John Muir Trail with my sister, um, I think I had two pairs of shorts and two t-shirts for that as well, which... Nice. I'm realizing now is a lot, but <laughs> it <didn't laughs> different. It's always nice to have extra clothes, also, clean clothes. Yeah. I also used to have like a ceramic MSR filter, which probably weighed like a pound or something, <laughs> or maybe more. Um, and now I carried Nalgene's, a ceramic water filter, a solar panel charger. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the whole kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how was it going from winter conditions to the desert? Um, that was hard. The desert was definitely one of the most challenging sections. I there was sometimes like I I'm much better in the cold and the dry cold dry cold <laughs> of Montana and going straight from that to the desert. My body had a really hard time adjusting and my limbs had not seen the sunlight in a while because I was skiing for so long and just always had clothes on outside and so my skin reacted really bad to the sun at first um so that I had heat rash all over my body for days at a time and it was horrible <laughs> um and there's a couple times where we got pretty dehydrated and like messed up a water carry not to like we didn't die obviously but like a little bit of some scary points in the middle but yeah i know that's like the biggest thing that we're afraid of is is the desert and the heat and it like how did you mentally were you mentally prepared for what it was going to bring and how long it was going to last i think that's the part that got me through it is i had done a lot of time thinking about how hard it would be and how much mm. i hate that part and I was like, if I can get to mile 700 and make it to Kennedy Meadows, then I can hike the whole thing. No problem. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt in me being able to make it to the end. So for me, being able to get to 700 miles, that I was like, that was my first goal. I was like, just one foot after the other, like put a podcast in, do, do something, play contact with your friends. I don't know. Uh, yep. Anything, get me there and then reset <laughs> and have fun in the beautiful Sierras. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you carry like a sun shirt with you? I'm curious what you did to combat the heat um, or at I, least just for your skin. Yeah, so I had a long sleeve sun hoodie. I actually didn't hike in a t-shirt the entire trail. Um, and I just kept hiking in my sun hoodie because it was super comfortable and I, I had a lot of sunscreen in the beginning. Um, so I used sunscreen a lot. That was helpful to combating stuff. And then I think the sunscreen started giving me a rash because the amount I was using. I don't know. My skin was a mess. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit worried. I got sun poisoning once or twice when I was on the AT. And I know the sun is brutal. So yeah. I used um, umbrellas, sun umbrellas. Mm -hmm. I used one for a little bit, but I kind of got a cheaper knockoff one and it just never stayed up and I always had to be using my hands. Mm -hmm. and that was pretty hard. And I was like, I was like, I can't do this. But for me, having a baseball cap 
with my sun hood up and everything. So every my top was like covered and my legs were the only thing that weren't. Um, eventually after like two or three weeks of like lots of sunscreen and like getting my legs used to seeing the sun again, they started to be fine. Um, but it was just like a little bit rough in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to Campo, did you start the trail with anyone or did you start solo? I started solo, but it was super coincidental. I was re one of my uh, friends from grad school reached out to me, Connor, right before, um, or like a month or two before the trail, right after the permadeath. He's like, yo, I know you talked about doing the PCT once, but I'm doing the PCT. I got my permit and I'm starting on the 25th of April. And I was like, shut up, Connor. Like, I'm doing the PCT too. And I'm starting on the 25th of April. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, it ended up working out perfectly because this was an endeavor I wanted to do for myself and I wanted to be selfish for once in my life. And to do that, I needed to start by myself and not be involved or committed anywhere in my life back home um that was really important to me uh so it worked out perfectly because we're like okay we both have the same intention of like do tackling this solo but like having a buddy to like you know keep an eye on you keep tabs on you for the first like couple days while you get your feet underneath you and like figure out the rhythm of like setting up your tent like going to bed not getting eaten by creatures of the night <laughs> and like um <laughs> It was great. And he had a cousin in San Diego. So we flew into San Diego, stayed with his cousin, and then his cousin just drove us to the border. And it was so easy. And I was so lucky that that worked out. That must have been very comforting yeah. to have that, knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. The trail provides always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you did the JMT. Had you had any other experience out west before getting on the PCT? Other than the John Muir Trail, I think I'd been to San Diego one time for a triathlon. I'd been to Seattle one time for a triathlon, and I had dabbled in an RV with my family along the coast at one point for a week or two. So glimpses, but never spent any real time out there. Gotcha. What made you pick the PCT over like the Appalachian Trail or I don't know the Continental Divide Trail? Um, I I know a lot of people start with the AT, but growing up on the East Coast and having hiked so many sections of it and just seeing the rain and the other things, and honestly, I was like, I just need a change of scenery. Like I need to do an adventure and to like keep me motivated and like going. I was like, I need some. In a green tunnel and the PCT yes. <laughs> John Muir trail so I'd seen glimpses of it and I was like mm -hmm. just stunning scenery all the time wonderfully graded trails no roots no rock yep. <laughs> I mean okay there's some sections that have a lot of boulders and there's some rooty sections occasionally but overall uh just a nicer grade in a lot of places um lots more switchbacks in just completely different, less humid, and, and mostly just like for the change of scenery, I think is why I chose the PCT. Um, nice. Like really just dive into a new adventure. Is it eye candy 24 seven? Like as much as people say it is? A lot, yeah. I think there's some points, 
I don't know. I mean, there's some points in Oregon that you're kind of just like walking through a forest still. And there's a lot of times during a lot of days where you dip into a forest and you're just walking in a forest or you're going, some of the forests were really cool though. We walked through one that had the biggest trees I've seen in my whole life. And we were night hiking at that point, And it was, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there's big trees, but honestly yeah there's a lot of eye candy out there it was, we, it was pretty special <laughs> yeah hugging some of those sequoias you're just like wow i cannot yeah, my yeah. Arms around this at all <laughs> we we had like seven people once to try and get all the way around one of those trees oh my god <laughs> yeah same that's awesome <laughs> so yeah. what was your mileage like starting out like did you start off the gate like doing big miles or did you try and work your way up I actually started my first day, I did four miles <laughs> because nice. <I> love it. <laughs> disasters with TSA and my fanny pack got lost in the airport because I checked it because I had my Swiss Army knife in it and it, it was a whole disaster. So by the time I like replaced all the gear that got lost in the airport, it was like 3 p.m. So I think I started hiking at like 4 p.m. And every guidebook anywhere says like, start your PCT hike at like 5 a.m. in the morning or like maybe 7 a.m. or something. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna mess it all up. I'm starting at 4 p.m. on the first day. <laughs> it, was it was great. It was just a different, different start than most people. Um, and then kind of after that, I was probably hiking around 50. I mean, I was very, very fit human um but i was only hiking like i don't know 15 to 18 19 maybe like 12 18 just kind of jumped around probably between 15 and 20 for a while um and then was kind of hitting around like probably 18 to 25 for the rest of the desert did you um did you get sore at any point? Like when, when did your body start hurting? Mm, I never got super sore from hiking, but I was doing a lot of things, like a lot of uh, like outdoor stuff and like on my feet hiking up with ski boots and uh, a lot of stuff before. And I never really pushed huge miles. My feet got sore. Um, okay. Just kidding. No, my body got really sore. I think I just blocked it out, honestly. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I by the end of like, long, like, after I hiked like 13, 14, 15 miles, like, I think every day it started got getting pretty sore. <laughs> but I think my brain just forgets that. Now. I'm always so impressed by the people that crush like, not that I ever want to, but like 25s right out the gate every single day. Because like, after a point, it's not even that you can't do it, but after 15 miles, like you're saying, your body just says, like, please stop. Like, yeah, why I mean, are you going farther? It's like the <laughs> impact on your feet. Also, you just can't have as much fun on trail. I mean, yeah. you should hike your own hike and, like, do the miles that you want to do. But for me, the hike I was looking for, I realized super quickly that if you're hiking 25, 30 miles, like, you just have to be walking the whole day, which is mm. super fine when you have to do that and you have to make the miles, but you just couldn't sit. You couldn't sit and stop and just find a beautiful spot and be like, I just want to sit here for like 30 minutes and just like yeah. sit. Yep. <laughs> but I'm yeah. Totally yeah. 
So how did you get the trail name Sherbert? Um, I started hiking the trail in a bright yellow long sleeve hoodie, bright yellow shorts with cantaloupes on them, uh, pink base layers, bright green fleece, and just basically like neon orange rain jacket, basically any bright color you could possibly think of. I probably had it somewhere in my pack or on my body <laughs> at any time. Um, and I walked around this corner, uh, like the second day on trail and there's these two older guys and I came around the corner and they saw me and they're like, holy rainbow. Oh my goodness. Like you have to have a trail name that has like rainbow in it. Like that's crazy. Um, and then <laughs> the night, like later that day I was talking to survivor and goblin and Tiva Tiva Jesus and I didn't know like great trail friends later on too and they're like uh rainbow this rainbow that and survivors like rainbow sherbert like sherbert <laughs> and so then sherbert kind of just ended up being my trail name amazing wait back up Tiva Jesus I love that yeah um <laughs> We just, we interviewed earlier on, we had a guy named Posh Jesus on, and he got named Posh Jesus because of his white Tevas. And I just love that people associate Tevas with just Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she, I think she got it a little bit later on, um, but her feet blew up in her shoes, and then she pulled some ridiculous, like, 30, 40-something miles in Tevas to, like, get to town or something. And so then for a while it was Tiva and then it was Tiva Jesus. <laughs> Tiva Jesus. I don't know. There's a couple iterations, but yeah. yeah that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um where was your first zero? Like where was your first town stay? It was in Idlewild. And Wow, okay. That's kind of far in. I yeah, I think it was Idlewild. Yeah. Uh I mean we did stay we camped at Lake Marina campground um and like what resupplied at some other towns before then I think I'm pretty sure my first zero is Idlewild I never really kept track of them I know people I could honestly not tell you how many zeros I took probably around 30 or more for the whole trip <laughs> <laughs> I think Idlewild was the first one and it was honestly incredible there's live music and there's a guitarist playing in the center and it is the cutest little mountain town in the middle of the desert right below mount san jacinto uh mm -hmm. absolutely stunning um and i just remember being so happy just being there and walking around this little town did you get to meet the mayor i missed him i was so <laughs> I was so sad. <laughs> um, the mayor's a dog, and he's really cool. And a bunch of my friends got to meet him, but we missed him. <laughs> he's so fluffy. He's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we also got bracelets in Idlewild. Uh, they made them for free for PCT hikers, and I carried uh -huh. them to the border. And like the different stones are different crystals. So the black one is onyx, and it's like protection and I don't remember the rest of them but it was really awesome and a bunch of the PCT hikers had them and it was so cool to see everybody carrying them all the way too. Mountain towns are like the people in the mountain towns are just so friendly like they're the kindest yeah. folk in America like yeah. 
Um, uh, what was I going to ask? Uh, did you get any trail magic in the beginning? We did. Um, I think like Scissors Crossing, going to Julian, and I hope I'm not messing up any of these names. It was a while ago. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was a couple like road crossings where there would be like a bunch of sodas. Sodas were amazing in the desert. It was just yep. cold anything. It was amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's a couple spots there. Uh, and yeah, is in the desert, it was such a relief. And it was so fun when you were first starting to get trail magic, because it was just so special. I mean, it was special all the way, whenever to get trail magic, but especially when we first started, it was really cool to experience that. Yep. Yeah, I got it. What, uh, what landmarks or mile markers were you most excited to hit in the beginning? Mm, honestly I was pretty excited for like the first hundred that was a big one I think passing 210 ish miles because that was my longest previous through hike so that was like a big like okay we're doing this and then yep. 700 miles I know that's a little bit further in but that was really my first big like okay you can do this when did you feel like you were getting your trail legs I probably like midway through the desert, end of the desert, maybe near the end of the desert. I think I didn't see as much of a, um, I know it's an unpopular belief, but I never, there was never like a moment where I was like, I had my trail legs or like even a time when I was like, I feel way stronger than the beginning. Um, I think I just felt a lot stronger at hiking halfway through the desert. Um, but I was so sad because I was like, everyone has these like amazing moments where they're like, I have my trail legs. Um, but I just, I feel like I started with pretty strong legs to begin with. And so I never really got that like, yeah, these are my trail legs. It kind of just slowly, gradually happened without me realizing what had happened. I feel like um, when we were on the AT, everyone says there's that one defining moment. They're like, I was somewhere in Virginia and then I was just pulling 30s one day. And I remember like when, especially when we were meeting you and saying like what the through hike was like, we were like, yeah, I think we got it in North Carolina. No, wait, I think we got it in Virginia. No, yeah. I think I got faster in New Jersey. <laughs> and I just feel like, I, I understand like it just progressively gets yeah. better and better. Mm -hmm. Well, your body is also changing so much. One day you're going to feel great and the next day you might feel like crap. So it's like, how can you tell when every day it's changing? That's I true. think first, I mean, some people might laugh at this, but the first time I hiked more than a marathon was going into Kennedy Meadows uh, North and my friend Smiles and I uh, were like, we're going to, we're going to do a marathon because it was like, like, I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to do a marathon in the Sierras because he's only doing like the first thousand or so with us. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then we convinced a bunch of our other friends. We convinced our friends, Hail Runner and Joel. And I think, yeah, Hail Runner and Joel, I don't know if, I think Butterballs and them were behind us, but we like convinced them all to do it. And we're like, we got to get to Kennedy Meadows before 7 p.m. so we can get one of the, the Triple Crown burgers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That was like the first time I hiked over 25 miles and I felt like pretty good and it felt pretty great. And so that was probably a moment where I was like, yeah, my legs are nice. strong. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I get it. The first time we did 25, I think I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I was so exhausted. <laughs> 
did you do a lot of night hiking in the desert to like beat the heat? Yeah, we did. Um, and a lot of times it wasn't straight up night hiking per se. It was a very interesting schedule where we'd hike from like, I'd wake up around four or five and then hike by like five or 6 a.m. and maybe hike to like mm, 10, 11, 12, one at the absolute, absolute latest. And then we would sit between one and four, five, 6 p.m. Uh, we would sit in the shade. We would find any respite or respite. I don't know how to pronounce that from the sun. Um, and would just kind of nap or just try and rest as much as we could because it was just impossible to hike during the heat of the day sometimes. Um, and then we'd hike from like 6 p.m. to like 10, 11, or like basically however long we had to hike. So it was kind of weird because we had like a short sleep at night and then like a rest and a short sleep during the day sometimes. Um, but that was kind of what I found the best in the desert. Cause when straight up night hike, you just can't sleep during the day. Sometimes it's just too hot to sleep in the day or hike or do anything. <laughs> or <is> it... <laughs> Were you in favor of night hiking? I thought it was pretty fun a couple times and then it got pretty, it was hard because you couldn't hike as fast. Um, or I couldn't hike as fast, uh, so I was always a little bit slower at night. Um, but it was kind of cool. You saw a lot of different creatures. I saw a lot of different, like, spiders and, like, uh, I think it was a lizard called a horny toad that initially I thought was a toad, which was dumb, but <laughs> miles <laughs> of lizard. <laughs> um, those were those were awesome but you just saw so many different creatures at night which is kind of fun and and in the desert especially when there's no tree coverage and it was like when you'd have a full moon um is just stunning but definitely i think i like hiking in the day and better temperatures more than night hiking how was the stars at nighttime oh amazing we saw we actually saw uh now I'm forgetting the name of it. The train of satellites, like, I don't know, 60, 100. Oh, satellites. really? Star Starlink? We saw Starlink a bunch of times in the desert. And you wow. could see shooting stars. We actually, there was one time where I was with my friend, Hail Runner, and he saw a shooting star. And it was so big and so long and had the longest trail that he, I was facing in the other direction. And he had time to process that he was seeing a shooting star, be like, oh my God, that's the biggest shooting star. I'd be like, Sherbert, Sherbert, turn around, look at this. I was able to turn around and look at it and it was still like one of the biggest shooting stars I've seen in my entire wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow, I'm very excited for yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah. What, you said you played connect with your, or cotton connect, oh. contact with your tramley. Was there any other things you did in the desert to like keep yourself entertained? In the desert, um, it was interesting because I actually went like 10 days or something in the beginning without listening to music or anything, maybe like almost two weeks without touching uh, headphones. And then I also only ever hiked with one headphone in the desert because of rattlesnakes. Um, mm -hmm. it was You had to be pretty on guard for that. But um, I slowly started, by the end of the desert, I there was like, 
probably 70 percent of the day was like either talking to people hiking with people was really helpful for me um smiles and i had a great thing going for a while where he would he was always he would listen to music but like i would just hike in front of him and i wasn't listening to music all the time but we just just like having human company next to you even if you're not even talking or doing anything just walking was like really great um yeah and so just truck miles away uh i don't know i'd sing to myself blaringly out loud obnoxiously <laughs> hoping no one <laughs> um i would talk to myself if i was alone sometimes or like have a yep. day or something <laughs> one time I was hiking and just like swinging my trekking poles around like an idiot and jamming out to Lizzo through headphones and my friend Butterballs just like walked up behind me and was probably walking behind me for like half a mile and I had no idea <laughs> dancing I was like what <laughs> I was like, no. time. was but Lizzo your go-to music on trail no, not always. Uh, but it was a good like when I was in a funk and having a hard time motivating myself in the desert. I was like, get me some like, like good energy. Like, you can do it. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, badass, just crush it vibes. Mm -hmm. So did hiking naked become a staple? <laughs> in your through hike we saw a couple photos we're like oh <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun hike naked day i think it was like june 21st or something yeah, yeah. um i was like super excited i was like yeah it's gonna be awesome and i i wasn't sure if everyone else actually participated in it but everyone i saw was hiking butt ass naked and it was yeah. <laughs> i was like it's the best thing and in the sierras we <laughs> dipping every single day midday like sun up just naked hikers everywhere it was a little like <laughs> got close to town or like where there's other hikers like we were close and like whatnot <laughs> <laughs> out in the sierras especially and uh it just became kind of a funny thing between uh some of my friends like babs and i and the juice and other people that like on top of all the mountain passes in the sierras and just like key points we just take naked photos <laughs> i love it <laughs> love it topless photos on the top of all the mountain passes just because what else do you do on the pct yeah <laughs> it's pretty hard to do it on the at just because like every three miles you're crossing a road and there's <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah. i much more comfortable just being naked in weird places now which is a little bit weird but that's not weird at all not no. weird at all <laughs> um when did your when did the honeymoon phase of the hike end for you i would say probably acton koa um not specifically because acton koa but that was the first like real low that i felt um some of our friends left randomly like in, in like a we had like 30 seconds to decide this they like got in a car and went to la to visit friends and then some of us were just like sitting there and we're just like we were already pretty low and tired and exhausted just fatigue adding up from the whole trail and it was just like 
we were just like supposed to hike so many more miles that day and just for like two or three days in a row we just weren't hitting the miles and weren't getting anywhere and we're just sitting in agua dulce at the hardware store and we're just like we we can't hike anymore like and then we were gonna just hike a mile or two to get on trail and just do it and then somebody gave us a business card that had the name of Susie and bill I'm blanking on their last names, but they live in Agua Dulce and they're the most amazing humans ever. This business card had their name and phone number on it. And they said, if you need somewhere to stay, call us. So we're like, well, fuck it. Like, let's, let's call them. Let's see what, let's see what, and we called them and we're like, Hey, like somebody just gave us your, your card and we're pretty pretty sad hikers right now and she's like oh my gosh i'm gonna come pick you up from the store i'm gonna bring you to rei and l or outside of la i'm gonna fix up all your hiking stuff you're gonna stay at my house you can go to my pool you can stay as long as you want and we're just gonna cook food for you and i was just like my heart went out i was like i don't know who put you in my life at this time but like it was amazing and i'm forever grateful for that day and that business card. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did it feel to get all the way to Kennedy Meadows after doing your marathon that day? I was like almost in tears at the end of that. It just, I was so tired and I remember getting to Kennedy Meadows and we saw a pony boy there again. And, um, I think that was like we'd met him a couple times before then at that point and just like walking up um and I've always I just see in so many people's vlogs from before the trail like getting there is so special and everyone is just like so such like uh a lot of camaraderie and just everybody is so proud of everyone for getting there and like walking up to the porch at like I don't know 6 p.m and I was like all I want is that burger right now yeah, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> I finished the desert. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty excited. I was gonna ask. You were really excited for that burger. When did your hiker hunger hit? Uh, another weird, controversial opinion. I don't think I ever got hiker hunger until when it got really cold in Washington, and my metabolism. Mm-hmm picked up but I was actually eating a lot more food as a rower um so I was actually eating less food on trail than I had previously been eating in my normal life so I kind of had like a a weird opposite effect with that a little bit did you feel like you were craving sugar more that was something on the AT that I like really like cold sodas and like yeah like oh this tastes way better Mm. I was actually, so I was always craving like salty, crunchy, cheesy. I have a huge tooth. I love chocolate a lot and I love ice cream. And then being out in the woods, I was always craving like salty things. I was like, I mean, I always had a lot of like M&Ms and chocolate candy hidden in my backpack. Um, And that was definitely uh, a good thing to always have when you need to pick me up. but I was really just craving like the salty, crunchy, cheesy, <laughs> anything that fit that category. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I guess after Kennedy Meadows, when you entered the Sierras, did your 
hiking style change or did you approach the hike differently going up into the high Sierras? We, so it was really interesting this year. I mean, I was mentally prepared for like micro spikes, like hiking over snow covered passes. No more than like, we didn't have more than like 20 feet of snow on the entire trail. Like really? This wow. For June 15th this year, we're almost less snowy and less high river crossings than they were in late August when I hiked the John Muir Trail. So that was wow. crazy. And um, I mean, hiking style wise, we shifted away from hiking at night and shifted a lot more to just hiking during the daylight hours, getting to sleep in a little bit more, which was nice. And just being in the Sierras and spending like, we kind of kept the long siestas and our, our idea was, okay, like in a normal year, people average like 12 miles a day because of the snow. So we're like, we'll just average 12 miles a day anyway. <laughs> So we spent, I mean, we did do a couple big days through the Sierras, but we spent a lot of days with like a three, four hour siesta at like an alpine lake skinny dipping for like three or four hours. And it was, I I was really appreciative of that. And like when I hiked the John Muir Trail, I kind of had to rush through a lot of it because we were on a, had a big time crunch. Um, and we also ran out of food, which was really scary in the city, but um, so I was like, I get to redo the JMT basically and do it way better. So I took way more time, packed way more food and just, we actually zeroed at Chicken Spring Lake and it was fantastic. It was so fun. Nice. That's awesome. Dang. Cool. What, um, what views or sections were you most looking forward to in the Sierras? Um, I was really excited to pass Ray Lakes, um, because that was somewhere where on the John Muir Trail we passed and we had to pass up somebody's offer of fish because we are on too much of a time crunch. They like offered to catch us and cook us fish dinner and we had to say no. Um, so I was really excited to get to Ray Lakes and catch my own fish and eat it. <laughs> and I was really excited to see Whitney because the last time I summited Whitney was with my sister. Um, so that was really exciting. Uh and then just being like at all the mountain passes and like having vivid flashbacks was really cool. Yeah, mm. I can imagine that. How was having like fresh water again? Amazing. Yeah. Like water caches are so scary to me because you never know. Um, the trailings are amazing. I We never had a dry cache, but I know some people have had dry caches. And sometimes I think there is like a... 50 or 60 mile stretch without natural water sources and there's two big water caches with like hundreds of gallons of water um about 20 miles apart. so it's like 20 20 and then like 15 miles or something um and it's scary when you don't know if you're hiking to no water and you don't have service and you can't get out like you'll have to press your sos button if you have it um but then being in the Sierras, I was able to get rid of like most of my carrying capacity. So I just had two smart water bottles, a two liter CNOC and my water filter. So I think I had like four liters capacity total. And so dropped some weight there. Never had to have more than like a liter of water in my backpack, which was amazing. And no. or, there was a couple of times I had like more than that, but yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, fresh water tastes so much better. Mm -hmm. So much better. <laughs> like glacier runoff, mountain streams, much, much Trump cow pools and like. Yes. <laughs> the shitty troughs that have been yeah. in the desert. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you experienced this, but like going back home and drinking water from, I don't know, like Poland Spring or Deer Park just doesn't taste the same at all oh, next to probably, yeah. Not it's just not the same. I actually, when I got off trail too, it was like two days into Seattle, I was like going through my pack and I realized that one of my smart water bottles still had like a liter of water left in it. And I was like, this is my last liter of water. <laughs> 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 frame it put it on a wall yeah. <laughs> put it in a mantle cherish it forever yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so when and how did you learn to fish to catch your fish on trail uh one of my friends hail runner he um was is big fly fisher back home and he is like i'm shipping my fly rod to the to kennedy meadows and i was like what i want to learn how to fly fish like I've done some deep water fishing. I was like, I want to do it. Um, and so I I bought my own fly rod because, I mean, it's kind of hard to share a rod. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn something new. So I bought a lightweight fly rod, put it in my pack, and learned a new skill along the way. And it was so fun to just stop at all the streams. And it was I never really noticed fish in the water before. I mean, I'd see them sometimes, but when you're looking for them, you just, there's so many more things to see when you look in the water. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. I would love to learn how to fly fish. Mm -hmm. um, Fun. What, did you take, uh, you took a detour into Yosemite Valley, right? Yeah. Um, and you climbed Half, Half Dome? Yep. Uh, was that just on a whim? You were just like, I'm just gonna go into Yosemite one day? Kind of, yeah. So. I have been trying to hike Half Dome for years. Uh, when my family did an RV trip through the valley, we couldn't get permits, so I didn't get to hike it, which was so sad. And then I hiked the John Muir Trail, and I didn't get permits to do Half Dome as part of it, and I was so sad again. Um, and so finally, I was, like, getting close to Yosemite. I was like, I'm going to submit my name for a permit. And there was, like, six of us who submitted permits like they're called day of but you have to do it like 72 hours or something in advance yeah. right um and out of the six of us we got one permit and my friends were like yo you have been going bananas about this like you need to hike this so i was super super grateful my friends are amazing and i just i hiked from tanaya lake which is mm -hmm. close to Walmy meadows and then hiked like a point to point. So hike from there, hike to Half Dome. So it was like 26 miles total, I think. Um, or no, I don't know. I think it was like between 22 and 25 or something like that. Um, but I hiked a bananas amount of miles on my zero day. <laughs> but then we went into Mammoth for the 4th of July. So I had plenty of time to recover. Um, and do that. We were kind of waiting for some of our friends and killing time. So I was like, this will be a good task to kill time with. Absolutely. Was was going up the rock as sketchy as it looks? It was steep. I had to use a lot of arm power to get up. Like, 
I mean, anyone can do it if you have a baseline fitness and you'll be fine. But it definitely was like, okay, I can't have my phone out because I will drop it down this rock cliff. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot of times where like, you're using a lot of arm strength to like hold yourself. Um, and you always, there's like good footing and there's like good uh, wooden, uh, like two by fours resting mm -hmm. yeah. on all the poles. So like you have footing and other stuff, but um, definitely like steeper than a jaunt up a rock face. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, we tried to get our permits when we went out to Yosemite two years ago. and. Yeah just like didn't work out and you're like yeah next time um so i guess you didn't take any I, we were gonna ask like did that throw off your rhythm taking time off but i guess it didn't because you were hiking on your zero and stuff there was time so we went to la for like four days and then total and mammoth we spent about five days those are the two like big stops that we took and it it was hard like getting back on trail after that is really tough like the first two or three days it's just even after taking one zero honestly and taking like a nero zero nero you just start hiking it again and you're like i can do like two miles today and now i'm gonna yep. set up mm -hmm. um so it's definitely a challenge getting back on trail after being off trail but you just kind of had to do it and then trust that you would refine your hiking rhythm pretty quickly after that. Yeah. The more hours you take off, I feel like the hiker hobble gets way worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you, did you hike with your tramley the entire trail or did you switch tramleys? Tramley. It was kind of like a ebb and flow. Like at some points our tramley was like two. And at some points, our tramley was like 15. Um, so I started hiking with Diva, Goblin, Survivor, Rogue, Olaf, a bunch of them. And then I kind of flip-flopped and leapfrogged them and like saw them at the end. And then kind of after I, I, maybe around like Wrightwood, I started hiking with a group of guys called The Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up hiking with them for a while and they were amazing they were so fun um i had a blast with them um and then that kind of like exploded not exploded but like people got off trail and then there's some other things that just like all of a sudden one day there was like 12 of us and then the next day there was like three of us and we're like okay <laughs> um so then we found some more people we hiked with like spot and zip and paris and ben and grace and all these amazing humans and kind of people would just adopt you as your trail families changed and differed so there's always like a really awesome group of people and buddha oh my gosh i'm forgetting so many people but there's amazing humans um but yeah it kind of like came people came and went um and but there's just always amazing humans there and always people that uh to have your back did you guys hike together like the big tramley like did you hike together or did you hike separately um a lot of times we would like l lunch and dinner and camp together or like snack together or i would hike with like two people for a little bit and then i'd hike with different people for a little bit and um sometimes we had like 
going into camp or something, we'd have like eight hiking together for like 30 minutes or so. But usually it was only like two or three of us hiking at a time. Or a lot of times I hiked by myself too. Um, it kind of depended on the day. Sometimes I'd hike a whole day by myself and sometimes I'd hike an entire day with one person and we would talk for like 12 hours straight about, yeah. I don't know what, I couldn't tell you, but like, there's a lot of people that somehow we just never ran out of things to talk about from like mm -hmm. Mexico to Canada. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Love that. What was, uh, what was your coldest night on trail? Uh, the night before we went into Wrightwood in the desert and it was, uh, I think it was like, feels like 15 or like 19. I don't know. It was really cold and really windy. Um, it, the desert was actually colder than the Sierras at all. The Sierras okay. were so mild when we went through it. Um, and actually the Sierras were super mild, but the worst bugs I've ever experienced in my whole life never like it was horrible like the bugs were terrible like you couldn't be outside of your tent and not be moving and like you had to have your rain gear on to like protect yourselves from the bugs it was horrendous and then after the sierras never had a problem with a bug ever i was gonna i was gonna say a lot of people say oregon yeah. is usually bad with mosquitoes but was that the sierras for you it was the sierras for us i think it was probably because uh spring came a lot sooner so my educated guess is that the bugs usually come at a certain point in like the snow melt or like the spring and that just happened a lot earlier this year and so we happened to be in the sierras instead of oregon um but yeah we didn't i i mean i don't think i got bit by like a single bug in oregon or washington maybe oh, nice but like the Sierras were death and miserable. Jeez. How was getting out of the Sierras and like dipping back down into hot weather? Uh, definitely pretty sad again. There's a lot of heat waves this summer. Um, yeah. Like even after we were well beyond the desert, there was some really hot days out in the woods. And it was like, it was pretty tough to get through some of those. Um, and especially coming out of the Sierras where you're on such a high and just on all these amazing mountain passes. And then all of a sudden, like, I think after Sonora pass, I think that's the last 10,000 foot mark on the PCT. Um, you're just kind of like coming down lower to like forests and like very mellow grade. Um, so like a good reset physically, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. on um, But definitely like, like a little bit hard mentally. And we also skipped. So we had because of like the Dixie fire and all the little fires that just blew up in our face everywhere. There are some days we were hiking an AQI of like 200 something. Uh, it was horrible for our wow. bike. Um, and it was so scary. Sometimes like there's one day where we woke up, we went to bed and the skies were fine and we woke up on trail and it was just like smog. Like we, you, you just like couldn't breathe. And like we had like 12 miles to hike to town or something. And it was just like, okay <laughs> um but we had to hike we are sorry we had to skip like three or four hundred miles total i think like 400 miles but then there's like another hundred miles that i like hiked outside of trail for various reasons that i like i don't know so i was probably like 300 miles shy of 
the PCT lights because of fires. Um, it was like, it was so bad. There's so many sections we had to skip, but we had to skip a lot of the flat, hot NorCal sections. So. Gotcha. Blessing in disguise. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone was like, you are so lucky you got to skip those sections because those sections are terrible. It's like, the desert and I was like yep didn't have to do it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah when we moved over to Korea we knew that Asia was notorious for like bad air quality mm -hmm. and um there was one day in the spring where the AQI was like 622 oh and literally like you walked out of the door <laughs> and you felt like you were wheezing um, and so I, I like I saw, I was looking at California when the wildfires started happening just to see the PCT hikers, and I was seeing like stuff in the two hundreds, and I was like I was walking on flat ground, try, like yeah. wheezing, and I can't imagine trying to hike through that. That just yeah. must have been a terrible hiking day. <laughs> Coming out of Syed Valley, a uh, huge like seven or eight mile climb, super steep, super overgrown. That was like one of the worst smoke days. And it was just like, you can't even breathe. You're hiking up this mountain. And I was just, you can't even see more than like, like 50 feet from you. So like, you can't even see any of the ridge lines that are like five feet away from you, like right mm -hmm. across. Like you can't see anything. So you're just in this cloud of smoke. So it's like, you can't see anything. There's no views. There's nothing other than smoke. And you're just like, well, am I going to die? I have no idea. Hopefully the fires don't eat me. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it was, the fires were pretty scary and pretty real. Mm -hmm. Would you say that was some of the, like, the toughest stretches for you dealing with that? Or were there other moments that were more physically or mentally challenging? Um, there was a couple moments for me, I can elaborate, that were probably tougher for various reasons. But overall... Uh, obstacle that was thrown at us that was definitely one of the hardest is just logistically getting around the fires mentally being like like I mean I started the PCT like I was gonna hike every mile and I wasn't gonna skip anything and I was gonna walk the road walks and you just can't like you can't walk 300 miles on a road like you yeah you no like there's high like you just can't and so I, I kind of like readopted my definition of through hiking and uh i was totally okay with it and i think that's you kind of hiking the pct um uh, i mean some people are just like no i'm gonna hike it even if it's closed really and like they're closed for a reason like they close trail to like help places regenerate after fires like there's a reason things are closed and you just have to be okay with like not hiking it yeah absolutely um, um what what was your hardest down trail then? Oh, um, okay. So the the string of unfortunate events that I encountered was I got giardia, <laughs> didn't oh. know, filtered my water every time. I think I got it at Kennedy Meadows North from their faucet because it was just there's so many hikers and probably hiker shit everywhere and. I, uh, one of my other friends got Giardia from there. So I'm pretty sure it was from that, which is annoying. But had Giardia for like three weeks before realizing what was causing me this pain. And then went on antibiotics. and it got better. But I was literally just like shitting my brains out. My stomach was in so much pain for so long. Um, and that was 
that was horrible. And then, but then it got better. Then I very recently, or very soon after that, it was like two days before I was going to do my 24 hour challenge. And I was going to try and hike like 50 or 60 miles. And I sprained my ankle like really, really bad. And for a minute, I didn't know if I was going to have to get off trail or stop hiking or call it quits for the year. Um, and then I had to hike through that like five miles that night to get to water, um, which sucked. And then I was given medical advice that uh, as long as you don't re-sprain it and you can get a brace on there and the hiking will make it heal a little bit faster because it brings blood flow. So I had to be extremely careful and I have a huge brace that I hiked the rest of the trail in. Um, but that was really tough. Uh, I just, I remember exactly when I did it and I was like, it's over. And I was just sobbing on the side of the trail. I was like, just like, boom, it's done. Um, but I was very thankful for my friends. They slowed down and hiked some pretty small days with me. Um, as I kind of got back up and running after that one. And then it was like right after my sprained ankle, I got food poisoning and that was the worst day on trail for me because I, we hiked 11 and a half miles from Fish Lake Resort. Somehow I got food poisoning from there. And that night I vomited like four or five times. By the end, I'm dry heaving. And I, I'm sorry for this graphic descriptions of my life, but I dug 10 cat holes that oh night. Oh my God. <laughs> and was just did everything out of my body. There was no liquid left in my body. I was so dehydrated. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. Otherwise, it would come back up somewhere or another. It would come out of my body. And I was sitting there, and I thought I was going to black out and pass out. And just that is the closest I've ever been to pressing my SOS button. And I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. And I ended up hiking uh, 11 and a half miles backwards. Uh, because I mean, that was an 11 and a half mile dry stretch, but hiking forward would mean I'd have to hike at least 30 miles and like 15 of those would be dry. And then the next 15 would be dry. So I was just like, I, I can't do that. Like I'm so dehydrated and I can't keep liquid down. So my friend hiked backwards with me, um, 11 and a half miles, <laughs> which was terrible. And I was pretty convinced I was going to die. Wow. <laughs> road, but I have never been so low and so scared in the backcountry before. Because, like, I mean, I could tell, like, I could barely stand up without, like, passing, like, getting, like, dizzy, blackout, like, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. And, um, I mean, when you're, it's just, like, scary being dehydrated and out in the backcountry away from any resource yeah yeah it's one thing to have or it's one thing to be sick and have like indoor plumbing and then it's another yeah. thing where you're just digging and in then, the middle of the um, yeah on top of that i slept maybe like two hours total that night so i kept having to get up get out of my tent walk away from my tent like 100 feet dig another hole in the ground and like so i just spent the whole night digging holes in the ground <laughs> so i was also just exhausted and i was like <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but then my mom called. I called my mom and I was like, "Mom, like 
I don't know what's happening. I don't have enough service to like book a hotel anymore. I'm walking back to the road. I was like, can you help me? <laughs> and so she booked us a hotel. She sent us an address and she said, get to the road, hitchhike to this place. The keys like in the door ready for you. And I was like, you are literally my savior right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Yeah, pray for no Gerardia. Pray yeah, for no, <laughs> no food poisoning, nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was the one blessing about, like, the trail being so empty when we did it. Like, there were no illnesses being passed Yeah, no neurovirus, no anything like that. So there just weren't people out there to give it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, um, my last uh, unfortunate event that I forgot about is that I... I don't know, pretty soon after all of that, I, I was making a dehydrated meal and I poured an entire pot of boiling water on my quad because the bag like buckled as I was pouring it in and I, it just didn't go in the bag and it just went on my leg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> did you have to like, did you have to cover it up from the sun or were you in a spot that yeah. it wasn't that bad? I had to cover it up a lot. It was, it did a lot of blistering first. I was pretty scared it was going to get infected, but I was very proactive about keeping it clean, covered when it popped and like just being, taking good care of it. But it was, it was a lot of blistering and bubbling and raw skin, very pink for a while. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, well, I feel like we needed a positive. What was your, what was your highest moment on the trail? What was oh. one of the best or favorite moments for you? There were so many. There's, <laughs> despite all the lows, like there, every day, every day there's a high and a low. Uh, I mean, one of some of the more recent ones getting to Washington and on the days it wasn't raining, seeing all the colors from fall, it was so different than New England because all the conifers stayed green but all of the undergrowth turned like brilliant colors of like dark red and orange and uh yellows and just it was stunning uh and just being in those places and being up in the metal goat rocks was amazing um yeah, like the Metau Wilderness. Up north. I'm trying to remember some of the names. Three Sisters was awesome. Um, being like having town days with all your trail friends was amazing. And just always having like the people were always a highlight. Having people that just always loved you and were always there for you was just unreal. And like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of special moments out there. That's great. Yeah. Um, what was hitting your first state state line like? What was like leaving California and like piecing it out? We were so excited to get there that we hiked till eleven thirty p.m. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck California, no more. Hate every second of. I mean, we didn't hate every second of it. It was amazing. <laughs> the Sierras are awesome, stunning. Kings Canyon, amazing. Uh, but when we got to this, we were so excited that we hiked until 11.30 p.m. Because we're like, we need to get out of this motherfucking state. <laughs> Just drink a bunch of whiskey at the border and then hike like another half mile and passed out. <laughs> <laughs> it was like really exciting. Um, and for us too, the halfway mark was on fire. So we didn't really get like any of the big like, you're halfway to Canada or like, you're you're doing it. 
Um, so getting to that state border, for me at least, was like kind of replace that halfway mark that like, okay, like you can do it still. Um, what point on the trail did you get to where you were like, I'm doing the thing, like there's no way I'm quitting at this point? Um, Kennedy Meadows, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, yeah, I think Kennedy Meadows. Um, there are some other points in the trail that like, I mean, you have ups and downs, but I was pretty set and like determined and confident for most of it. Gotcha. Nice. Um, so how was going to trail days? It was really fun. Um, just being in a place where there were so many vendors, I got a free pair of like Merrill shoes from winning this like, uh, obstacle relay i'm actually i think i have them with me they're pretty cool oh yeah oh, oh cool the crocs um <laughs> yeah they're, they're like they're pretty funky um but yeah just like being around so many other hikers and so many people that are passionate about the outdoors and like making products that are just making life in the backcountry so much better and so much mm -hmm. easier um was really exciting and super fun. And seeing all, all the people that you hadn't seen in so long that were at different points in the trail at you now, it was just like really cool. You walked around a corner and you'd see someone you hadn't seen in forever. Nice, nice, that's cool. Awesome. Um, what was the food you were craving the most on trail? What was it? Mm, sometimes I'd, I'd crave salads or vegetables anything vegetable uh a lot of times salty crunchy cheesy and a lot of times fried chicken sandwiches just there it is fried chicken sandwiches are great. <laughs> yeah i was surprised because before i've always liked burgers but i just didn't really like burgers anymore but fried chicken sandwiches <laughs> there it is do you still have the cravings for it at home uh when i have the option to get a chicken sandwich I still take up the chicken sandwich. Nice. <laughs> Are there any foods like you will not touch now because you ate them so frequently? Mm, food that I had when I got food poisoning is hard to eat. Um, I probably won't eat trail mix outside of like hiking or ski touring. Um, like trail mix or this the sad one is like bobo bars and fig bars i love them so much and they're amazing but i just ate so many of them because they're always my resupply boxes i didn't send a lot of resupply boxes but all the ones i did send had them in it and it was just like i can't eat these anymore i don't want them <laughs> yeah did you feel like um what you sent in your resupply box you're like i you open the box and you're like i don't want half the things i put in here yeah I did. Yeah. If you have an option to create boxes as you go or have somebody create them for you, take them up on it. Like, cause your, your food cravings are going to change. Um, but if you have to pack them in advance, like pack a variety of just pack things that you wouldn't really think you might want, but you might surprise yourself. Um, and I think I sent 11 boxes, but there's a couple that I think were redundant and I could have just hitched to grocery stores and it would have been easy and fine. Um, but there's definitely a few key spots on the PCT where it's really clutch to have a box. Okay. Where's that? Yeah. Good information. <laughs> <to> know. <laughs> Kennedy Meadows. Great to have a box. Acton KOA. 
in the desert. That's like the first one great out of the box. Um, for me, I enjoyed having one at, I think it was Warner, mm, I think it was Warner Springs because then I didn't have to think about resupplying so soon. Um, those are the three main ones at first. Kennedy Meadows North uh, is a good one. Um, and then honestly, Oregon and California or Northern California and Oregon, like there's just so many accessible grocery stores that it probably doesn't make sense to send them unless you have dietary needs or you're sending them for other reasons. Um, and then Washington is helpful to have a lot of boxes. So Stahican, definitely a box. Um, that's like the last resupply stop. Um, you could send one to Sky Comish, um, but Leavenworth is the opposite way and a tiny bit further and pretty similar. And like they have a great grocery store. So honestly, I don't know. Um, if you're trying to avoid the town, Sky Comish is a good place. And then White Pass and uh, I'm blanking on the name, but there's two in the beginning of Washington that could potentially be advantageous to send a box if you're trying to be in and out quickly. Good to know. All right. Thanks for that. Thank info. you for that. That's really helpful. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, what, was, what was the next thing? Oh, you, so you did a 25 into Kennedy Meadows. Was that your longest day on trail? Uh, my longest day, I think I did like three days on trail that were like 29.8 like or 29.9. I did not purposely do this. Uh, and it's kind of crazy that I never actually hiked more than 30 miles in a given day. It kind of botched me with my ankle halfway through, um, right before I was going to do my 24-hour challenge. But honestly, this is one thing I love about backpacking that's different than anything else is like, I don't have to be competitive backpacking. I'm such a competitive person and have been competitive in every other aspect of my life. But out here, I just, I just get to walk and do whatever I want, hike as slow as I want, stop as many times as I want. And I, it almost was like a challenge for me to like, not have to race through anything and like purposely just be like, Oh, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to hike over 30 miles. Um, totally doable i mean i took my time and took a lot of time in towns and still did the trail in like i don't know 157 days but like nice. never three miles so like i don't know <laughs> yeah um how was it how was it reaching like the bridge of the gods and like entering washington that was unreal i, I think it's just one of those landmarks that so many people know about and it was one of the ones that I just envisioned over and over again just like mm -hmm. walking to that sign and just walking across that bridge and just being there and um there was like I just had goosebumps walking over the bridge and I was just like laughing and basically crying and just like like I got here like we have one more state we have 500 miles left 550 or something I don't know <laughs> and I was like holy shit <laughs> like it's happening <laughs> Like, was that, accomplishment. was that like the moment that you realized like the trail was coming to an end or was it closer to the border? That was like the first kind of like, whoa, like we have a tangible amount left. I think mm -hmm. what really started to hit home was probably around Leavenworth when we just had this amazing town stop. And then all of a sudden it was like, we need to get 
to the border before it snows and all of a sudden like we were strategically planning like every day sometimes and it's just like we just need to get there before the snow comes and then it was like a oh shit this is like gonna end soon um mm -hmm. which was very bittersweet <laughs> what um oh shit i just blanked on exactly what i was gonna ask uh what was never mind it literally is a thought <laughs> that right. came past well uh out of the three states which one was your favorite um i would have before the hike probably said guessed it would have been california in the sierras but washington washington was unreal some days it was my worst enemy when it was raining and cold it was really hard for me and i get very cold very quickly so that was a challenge but um when it was good weather it was stunning like it was so northern washington was just unreal you were just in the most amazing landscapes and huge rocky peaks around you and just like is crazy and the colors and the larches the larches are like a, a type of tree that turn yellow i i don't know i think they're coniferous but i'm not 100 percent sure but they just turn this bright bright yellow for like a week or two during the year and we hit it perfectly timing wise i don't know how but we just were walking through it and it was just it was really cool it was a cool spot yeah. kind of magical <laughs> they're called larches yeah l-a-r-c-h-e-s i believe i just thought they were aspen so i was like that's cool yeah yeah that's interesting nice. very cool um i was oh my god why do i literally keep forgetting what i was gonna ask um <laughs> What was the Northern Cascades like? Is it as hard as people say that it is? Like, is it tough hiking? It's hard. It's There's some really tough sections. There's some really steep pitches. But honestly, there's some sections in the Sierras that are pretty comparable um, and mm. a little bit tougher terrain-wise. Um, but I think by the time you get to Washington, if you're going northbound, you're... I mean, people like fear monger on trail mm -hmm. climbs and this but like I was like I kind of like walking uphill and I'm just gonna walk because I'm gonna do it anyways and your body's used to it maybe your body will be tired for an hour while you're going up the hill but you just do it and it's fine <laughs> um you're just mm -hmm. at that point that like I didn't ever find it to be such a huge deal and if you plan your days right and you like you never stack too much elevation Day, like you'll be fine <laughs> um what piece of gear made your through hike better cool cloth ah. for the ladies mm -hmm. yep. that's a nice one <laughs> i wouldn't know <laughs> most of my gear choice maybe my fleece my my outdoor research gridded fleece was pretty nice my sleeping bag was amazing i love my tent <laughs> my backpack was great but like the Kula cloth was a huge game changer in the backcountry. It's the first time I've ever used it, and I don't know why I never have before. Yeah, they're great. Mm -hmm. What uh, what sleeping bag did you use? I had the Enlightened Equipment 10 Degree Enigma quilt. So it had a closed toe box. It was a quilt, but it was 10 degree, um, and I love it so much. 
we're struggling right now. We have 20 degree revelation quilts and we're like, do we just bring that on and then get a really nice like liner? Or do we just spend a lot more money and just get a new thing? I think for most of the trail, you'll honestly be fine with a 20 degree quilt. Like there was a lot of nights in the middle of the trail that I would just sleep in my underwear or just like naked in my sleeping bag. Uh, and I never slept in anything more than my base layers. Even when it got to be like 28, high 20s. Um, in, and I'm like a pretty cold person. But I think if you have a sleeping bag liner and like really good dry clothes to sleep in, your 20 degree bags will probably be fine. Um, We're holding yeah. you to that. <laughs> yeah. You just keep flip-flopping back and forth. Hey, I hate from saying that with confidence because everyone sleeps differently and like the yeah. wind is so different. Um, but I, I probably could have definitely survived with a 20 degree bag there would probably be a couple nights that I was like pretty unhappy or like uncomfy sleeping, but like uh, 10 degree was like more than fun and great. So nice. yeah. Also having two humans in a tent, uh, I feel like it does help just two. Yeah. I would say so. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, condensation per se, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so were you guys really nervous about getting to the border before winter or was it just something that it happened and you said, okay, time to go, like, we'll be okay. We were never really nervous until we started getting weather reports as we got closer and we had a very tight window with our flights to hit the border. So I would hesitate away from booking flights anywhere more than like a week or two in advance. Um, but we just got dicked by this storm system and it like like probably three or four days earlier been fine and like the people hiking in like four days after us were fine but it's just like more storm systems just kept coming in uh and kept just like crazy raining on us and it was such a relief when it turned to snow honestly because the snow was a lot drier than the rain and it was like well, all of a sudden if you're hiking in the rain all day and all of your stuff gets wet and like you're putting away a wet tent and then you put up a wet tent and then like you have a dry sleeping bag but it's going to get damp because everything else is wet and it just kind of you start walking on this going on this line of like being dry enough so i actually changed what i had in my pack so i had a full set of long sleeve merino wool clothes to hike in and a full set of long sleeve merino wool clothes to sleep in as well so i never was walking or hiking in my base layers because it was really important to keep those dry at the end yeah. um Absolutely. hand warmers huge uh trash bags best invention in the whole world yep. mm -hmm. um we i had like three or four trash bags in my bag for the last section because i just you just you can't have wet gear you like will die if you have wet gear <laughs> overnight <laughs> yep. um, yeah but yeah so definitely as we started seeing all these like 10 day weather reports that had the weather as we were going to be crossing the border we're like oh no like this is not good <laughs> like mm -hmm. there was there was one section at rainy pass where i was sitting in trail goblin's car she finished like two weeks or a week or two before us and was giving us trail magic and i was we had hiked all day in the rain we got to rainy pass and 
uh, go figure, rainy pass. Um, <laughs> and we're sitting in our car with the heat on full blast. And we camped near a car and got to dry stuff out in the morning too. But I was sitting there and I was like, Goblin, I don't know if I can make it to the border. I was like, we are 60 miles away and I don't know if I can make it. Like, I don't know how to do it. Like, I don't know if I can. Um, and then we had, like, we always had a buddy hiking. So we always hiked with a friend for the last section and just like played it really safe, had good backup plans and communication stuff. And I uh, just took it one step at a time, had backup plans if we needed to get out uh, and just sent it <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah how was um how was those last days mentally was it you were just were you allowing yourself to be emotional and feel the journey coming to an end or was it just like a push to the border there was some moments where it was a big push to the border and there was a lot of moments where i'd find myself alone for a second and just be like randomly in tears and i'd be like what what is happening um no. A lot of moments where I was every inch of my soul and mental energy was focused on keeping me warm and I was just walking and it was the only thing I could think about was staying warm stay warm stay warm um it was just like a whole roller coaster of just and really just taking time to appreciate the people and the things and making coffee in the morning and just like looking and seeing and being um yeah. and just like really soaking everything in that i could absolutely um what was crossing into canada like um and then did you have to hike back because the border was closed that, oh god that was <laughs> first weather too got to canada it was great we saw a moose at the border he nice. died away from us while we were taking pictures at the northern terminus and it, he had this huge rack and we're like hi moose <laughs> first moose we saw on trail at the canadian border i uh, walked like 10 feet into canada and then we had to turn around and hike 30 miles back to hearts and so, so what we ended up doing is we camped like 14.7 14.8 miles away from the terminus and we left our tents and our sleeping bags so we did like a 29.9 mile like uh out and back slack pack to the border. Um, and then we only had like 16 miles to hike back to Hearts Pass next day. Um, but right. after we left the border, it started raining that day. We hiked through a blizzard that night because we had a night hike <laughs> our tents. And then the next morning from probably like 4 a.m., it was like shitting rain and we started raining and then the temperature dropped and it turned into a blizzard. So we hiked in the rain I hiked 16 miles straight that day, did not stop for like food, water, had one liter, ate snacks out of my fanny pack and hiked for 16 miles straight because if you stopped, you just get too cold and you were soaked and all of my clothes were wet. Every, my tent was wet. Everything was sopping wet. And I was like, I'm going to die if I stop. So I just, I was like, I need to hike to that warm pit toilet slash hopeful vehicle and uh, then it turned into a full-on blizzard that afternoon, and I just got to the end, and I didn't even take any pictures of the top of Hearts Pass because I was like a wet rat, and I was just like, I'm so cold and wet, and I just want to go home. <laughs> oh my god! Was it um, was was there anyone going 
northbound when you were going back southbound? And was it like a weird exchange saying like, like, congrats, you're done? It was actually pretty, so we actually only, uh, we saw like two people on our way back south because of the weather. A lot of people stayed in town and waited it out. Um, but we actually saw a lot of people hiking. We were hiking towards the terminus and they were had finished and were hiking back. And it was so fun because there's a lot of our friends that were just ahead of us or like just not with us. And it was just like this. It was a pretty cool victory lap. I mean, an excessively long victory lap, but like <laughs> also pretty fun to be like, oh, my God, yo, congrats. And it like gave you this energy. It's like they did it. We can do it, too. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So would you hike the PCT again? I would definitely hike sections of the PCT again. Uh, I don't think I would ever, and maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. But I don't think I would ever find the need to through hike the PCT again and do that desert again and some of the other sections. I would definitely do Washington and the Sierras and Sisters and Goat Rocks again. Um, but I think... I'd rather through hike the CDT and the AT before redoing the PCT. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, do you have your eyes on any yeah. other long distance trails? Uh, rough uh, dream plans. Maybe do the CDT in a couple years. And then if that goes well, uh, have the AT as like a victory lap uh, at the end eventually. Um, yeah. To just kind of get a triple crown if I feel like it. I mean, a long time, just ideas, but I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Any smaller trails that you've heard about that you want to do? Um, there's a couple, I'm totally blanking on the name right now, the names. Um, but I've looked at the Colorado Trail and some little sections of the CDT around Bozeman to do in the next couple of years just to check out and see what that's like. Um, looked at a couple things abroad, but I don't know, kind of, I haven't really spent as much time researching them yet. Yeah, I got you. You got time. One step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So how was the transition back into like a normal life after being on trail for so long? It was really hard. It was, um, I didn't know it would be that bad or that hard for me, but um, you just go from such a simple, straightforward life surrounded by the most amazing humans. And all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, it's like, okay, fly back home. And I mean, it was amazing to see my family and some people that I haven't seen in a while and my dog, but it was just, it was kind of heartbreaking leaving and, leaving that behind and um so i think i'm slowly getting acquainted back to being more of a normal human functioning in society but uh it was really hard like switching back um it's it's real <laughs> yeah yep yeah, i understand <laughs> is uh is it hard to not have people that understand what you went through like, I, that, I, for me, that was some of the hardest part was going home and, like, talking about it and people, like, understanding my stories, but not, like, really understanding, like, what I experienced. There was just a disconnect between yeah. the trail and and people are like, oh, you just went backpacking. That's fun. Yeah, it's a like, lot of times, 
even like applying for housing today, I applied for housing or I was giving my landlord information or like previous housing and on my application, <gasps> my last oh, no. place of residence yeah. was Bozeman, um, Bozeman, Montana. And it was like five months ago and my landlord was like, yeah, I called them and they said, you haven't lived there in five months. Where have you been living for the last five months? And I was like, I've told you this like three times. I was hiking the PCT. I was living in my tent. <laughs> <laughs> Not have an apartment or a home or paying rent anywhere. And she was like, are you still living in a tent now? And I'm like, no, <laughs> right now. I was like, I was like, what else do you want me to say? I was like, I don't have housing for the last five months. I was living in my tent. <laughs> I didn't understand. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think a lot of people are really interested, but it's hard for them to be as connected because if you've never experienced that, it's hard to, I don't know. It's just different. Um, yeah. That's definitely tough, but um, it's really fun to get to share stories with people though. Yeah, absolutely. To hear them. Yeah. Um, so do you have any advice for future PCT through hackers like us? I uh, don't overplan. Mm. I potentially yeah. have done. I think if you're familiar with your gear, you have a good idea of like being safe in the backcountry, and you've done like preliminary like research. You know what you're getting yourself into. You know kind of what the different sections of trail are. Like, don't it's like the details figure themselves out. You figure everything out on trail. I'm sure you guys experienced this with the AT, but like it's just you can't plan that far ahead you everything changes um and you you really just figure stuff out as you go so yeah i would say to future pct hikers don't over plan <laughs> show up at the terminus with a backpack and some food and the the right gear and you'll be good yeah that's well said what would you tell sherbert who is still on trail not to take for granted or any general advice for her um I would say really just appreciate the people you're with. And I think I did a really good job of that, but I think it can never hurt to keep hearing that, but like appreciate the people and the places and the small moments, uh, filtering water, even when it gets annoying, cooking your breakfast, cooking your dinner, just like looking at a mountain, seeing wildlife, just really continue to be in that moment. Nice. Oh, um, also another question. Did it feel good to like finish your vlogs for the trek? Like, oh, did it feel yeah. like a closed chapter? Yeah. Just like I, putting it out there. I got in like a really big rut at the end where I had, I don't think I posted a single vlog from Washington until after I finished because there was zero service in Washington. Mm. Service. And every time we went into town, I had like a day to do all your errands and and hang out with friends and you and you say it now and you're like oh my gosh you have like like 36 hours to like do all this stuff that's more than enough time but when you're like running around trying to find a laundromat to do your laundry and go to the grocery store and get food do laundry while you're not wearing any clothes and then you have to like clean your water filter wash your pot 
backflush your Sawyer filter. And like, all of a sudden, there's 10 million things you have to do. And then you're like, okay, everyone's going to a brewery. And I just want to be present with the people. And mm. all of a sudden, it was like, I just didn't have time to like, hide myself in a room and not be present. Um, it's just not something I wanted to do at that point. So I was like, I'm going to take a pause on this. And I will finish these when I finish the trail. Um, mm -hmm. And I did that. And it was really exciting finishing the videos. So I have that memory and that thing to look back on to years later. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else that you want to throw out into the Thurikin community? Any words or advice or anything else? I can't think of much, but like, I mean, keep keep hiking your own hike and just enjoy being out there. Like, I mean, everything everything you do out there, every step you take is an accomplishment and like, don't let anybody tell you otherwise and you do you. <laughs> nice. Love it. Awesome. Um, well, congrats on your through hike. Yeah. Like that it was it made us so excited to see you finish. Like we were like, oh, someone on trail. We knew we were going to do it. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for inspiring me to do it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we hope that it was as amazing as as mm -hmm. you thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was everything and more. It was awesome. Cool. cool. Well, have fun out in Bozeman this yeah. year. We're super jealous that mm -hmm. you're skiing and we're not. <laughs> How long are you guys in South Korea for? We're here until March. Yeah, and then March. um and then we go home for a month and, and then, then hopefully start beginning of April. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, again there. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm yep. so all you guys. Yay. <laughs> all right, well then Ooh. what? You're gonna have so much fun out there. We're excited. We're very excited. We're doing it with our tramily from the AT. We're going to all try and start together. So. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. All right. Then I guess we'll talk later. Yeah. This is yeah. super fun. Uh, great. Sweet. Yeah. So good to talk to you guys. Great yeah, to talk too. to you too. Yeah. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. hope you enjoyed the conversations of episode 14. It was a blast being able to reconnect with someone we met on our through hike. If you want to join in on future live chats, you can head over to our Instagram, which is at Let's Trek Together. We go live once a week, usually on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are a through hiker and want to be a guest on a future episode, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or by email, which is Let's trek together at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, let's trek together. <laughs>